0: your host of The Cell. I invite you to listen to our program every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. I would also like to thank you for listening to Community Radio on WGRN-LP 94.1 FM, Columbus. I'd like to wish all of our listeners Happy New Year's. Our first show for the year is for teachers. We want to get their perspective in dealing with kids with sickle cell disease and how they are dealing with COVID. We have Tracy Robinson, who is a kindergarten teacher at Urban Elementary School in Akron, in which she has been a teacher for 25 years. We also have with us Ms. Chess Brady. She is the principal of Della School of Coding and Design uh, here in Columbus, Ohio, and she's also a board member of the Faith Thomas Foundation. But we also have Stephanie Thomas, who works at Shawnee State, who is also a board member of the Faith Thomas Foundation. Uh, Ernie, are you ready for this? It's just me and you. Just me and you. We're
1: the hosts. Oh, me. Me. <laughs> okay. Oh. Two of the
0: hostesses are now are now the guests. <laughs> oh, okay. Tracy, can you please share with our listeners what have you been dealing with or what have you dealt with in your 25 years coming across kids or having kids that had sickle cell disease? Absolutely. Well, I have had um, two students that I know of in
2: my actual classroom. And, you know, with HEPA laws and such, you know, parents don't necessarily have to, you know, tell that information uh, to the schools. And I I have had parents who I've had a communication with them that they felt it comfortable to come and tell me about their children's health status with sickle cell. There, are, there is in place a law uh, called a bio, 504 plan where um, it is a law that children with, with special needs and discrimination, you know, cannot be discriminated against and then need to have special accommodations. And so that's something that we actually right now I have two students in our school that um have a 504 plan, and one is a fifth grader and one's a second grader, and as law, you have to provide um, school-wide to all the staff, the, the needs of that student, you know, so that to make sure that if you come in contact with that student, you can provide for them if they need water, if they you know, are fatigued, if they need to see the nurse immediately. So it outlines everything that they specifically need. So that's very helpful um, that that's provided school-wide so that we can, as a school staff, provide for those students with sickle cell and their special accommodations and needs.
0: Well, Tish, please tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. I know you're involved in a whole lot of stuff, but could you please tell <laughs> our... <laughs> Yeah. Please,
2: share oh, M- yeah. It's here. Yeah. And, okay, so.
1: and give her a time limit, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm the principal of Della School of Coding and Design, and it's a new private school, and we are pre-K right now through the fourth grade. And we're a STEM school, so the STEM is Integrated uh, Math, Science, Engineering, um, and coding is integrated into everything that the kids learn. And then on top of that, uh, next week I go back to Columbus State uh, teaching, and half of our classes will be in person, um, and some are hybrid, and some are totally online. So we're waiting to see how that's going to work out.
2: I'm going to ask that about Columbus. I wasn't sure if you you all were, high, you know, online or in person but you said it's a hybrid model for the school so right now? the college is going
1: to be hybrid for columbus public there um it depends because of the the substitute shortage so last week they closed some schools because some teachers were out due to covid and they went online some schools weren't online so it depends
2: on the school and i guess what mechanisms they have in play oh, okay we went directly back to school in akron so we went back with you know Putting things in place if we have to would have to go back to you know online instruction. So and that's based on a you know class by class situation or school by school situation. Yeah. Similar it's kind thing, of yeah.
0: Okay, Steffi, could you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and what is you do What do you do at Shiny State? Yes, absolutely.
1: It's uh, a pleasure to be a guest on the show. So this is you. <laughs>
3: My name is Stephanie Thomas. I am the Assistant Director of Housing and Residence Life at Shawnee State University. So for the past specific, I mean, since the pandemic started, I've worked hand in hand with what we call our health team, which who work hand in hand with the health department, with the city health department, um, just to kind of put together just protocols, guidelines um, regarding COVID, um, but I haven't necessarily had a situation or an experience directly with a student at, at the institution that has sickle cell, um, and it very much may maybe because Of HIPAA laws, unless the Mm -hmm. student opens up and comes forward and chooses to share that information, the individuals at the clinic can't share information um, regarding students. So it has to be something that the student student has to share on their own. Um, And I haven't came across that.
0: All right, Ernie, I'm gonna let you have any questions for the ladies.
3: Tish, your your son has
4: sickle cell, right?
3: No, my niece has sickle cell.
4: Okay, your niece Stephanie. You have someone with sickle cell, right?
3: I actually have the traits, so I have sickle cell
2: traits. My daughter has as well, yes.
4: Oh, okay. So uh, has there been a problem for, you know, the people in your family as far as uh, attending school,
1: that kind of thing? For my niece, it has. So uh, coming off of Christmas vacation, her parents have kept her home for the past two weeks, just to make sure that that she was safe, and she'll go back to school next week.
2: Okay.
3: What about for me? Yeah. Uh, for, I have just, and just this is just not just because I have sickle cell trait, but just to be preventative and <clears throat> try to avoid and limit this exposure that I'm getting just to people, especially now. For example, yesterday we moved in almost 500 kids into our. Um, resident halls, but I, I've implemented with my staff at least uh, a hybrid schedule where we are not in the office as much, um, but it's not due to the trait of why I'm missing work or I'm not in person. It's just, just to limit that exposure with people um, just during these times. Okay.
2: I
4: have a question for Tracy.
2: Yes. I um, had a student, I taught online actually all last year and um, and I had a little a little girl and I do teach kindergarten and um, she has sickle cell, and she's in first grade this year, of course, and we did give an option for uh, students with, you know, had maybe some health concerns that they could have stayed online this year, but her parents actually, her, her grandmother's her guardian, opted to um, have her come in school, and I don't think she's had any any issues. I check in on her with her first grade teacher and see, you know, how's she doing. Um, I know online, I, we, we came back mid-year last year. We stayed um, the first half of the year, and then we opted to come back in person and then give parents the option of, of keeping their children home if they had, you know, any medical concerns or anything. And the the, the little girl that I did have as my student had sickle cell. And, and quite often, you know, she would be fatigued and um, or she'd say she had, you know, joint aches and such. And, and she was, of course, you know, I, none of the other students knew, but, you know, I was aware of her condition. And, of course, you know, you you're mindful of that and supportive of, Because that's a challenging thing anyway for for five year olds to be online learning all year, but you know for her to be able to you know not come to class that day or leave early if she wasn't feeling well.
4: Yeah, I wanted to know for for all three of you if you had if if you had a, a student or how flexible. You know, at the schools that you guys are at, would you be with a student that, you know, I know we've interviewed some, some, some people on this uh, radio program that missed a lot of school because of their uh, sickle cell. And I just wanted to know how flexible you think your schools would be as far as helping them if they ended up missing a lot of school getting caught up on the work and and how it would affect their graduation, that kind of thing.
1: So for our kids, I think it's kind of two parts. So what I've found, many schools have found this year, is that our kids from being online last year are behind. And so there are two components. You're trying to accelerate their learning from what they lost last year and give them what they need this year. For me, my school is pretty flexible, and I have – Parents have access so that the the learning continues, even if they're not there. So whatever we're learning that week, they get that information and then there's specific work that they can do and complete on their own time and then get that back in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So for me, it, it's it's not an issue, um, and for the parents, I work really hard to make sure, because we have, I don't have a child with sickle cell, but I do have children that have other chronic illnesses. So for them, it's making sure that the parent always has access and the child has access to work that they can do from home that keeps them up to date, um, and then when they come in, there's not a, a gap in what they're learning. Right. Thank
2: you. Uh, yes, I would, I would agree with the issue of students all across the board have come in behind because of losing that that time and and, and typically they they are already coming in you know the african american population of kids mm-hmm. are always kind of behind where they they should be typically um so we're we're trying to pay catch up and and accelerate them and that is a challenge, but you know we we all came together this year, even last year when COVID first hit. That, you know, we have to think about you know you know the social emotional aspect of our kids and and us as adults. You know, we're experiencing all this anxiety and you know our our whole normal way of life has been you know up upturned. So them being children, we have to allow for them to have the time to be silly and dance and play and talk and get yeah. out their anxieties. And that is more so in the forefront of even trying to catch them up academically right now, it's yeah. trying to keep everybody secure, you know, whether, and I've had, I've had students out with COVID, so they have opportunities to pick up work from school. Um I don't currently have anyone with any chronic conditions, but I've had kids out with COVID, unfortunately and and you know depending on how they feel i mean they may not feel good to sit, sit at home and do any work so they will have that op- they have that opportunity to pick up work from the school from the teachers providing you know work for them and but right now our main focus is really just you know we don't want them experiencing anxiety and we want them feeling secure and loved you know, kids want to hug you. They don't, I mean, and, of course, you're not going to turn it. I don't turn students away. They come and give me big hugs or anything, you know, even though we're supposed to be social distancing, we're doing all those things. But how do you tell a child, no, don't, you know, I'm not going to hug you or, you know what I mean? So
4: Right,
3: definitely.
2: Yes, um, so,
3: so us as, um, as an institution, again, like I said, I work with the Dean of Students and she's typically the one that approves or um, communicates um, absences with professors. She's like the liaison between the student and professors. And staff. Um, So they, we've been very lenient, I would say, and and flexible, um, just allowing students to make up their work or um, now that if this is year three, essentially almost, uh, which is crazy to think of, you know, Mm -hmm. at the beginning when everything kind of shut down 2020, and I don't think it's just for colleges, essentially, but um, it was a big, you know, transition to get all faculty and, you know, teachers to kind of go fully online, um, because I know at the university level, you know, we have uh, labs, clinicals that students have to go through in order to graduate. So, you know, those students that were, you know, in lab and couldn't go to lab in order to graduate, they struggled a bit in yeah. the beginning, and they this, the professors had to find a plan to help them compensate for that time of that lab that they didn't do. So, what we did in the beginning of the pandemic is students were able to petition, um, although that spring they weren't able to attend a lab, but then they would
0: have to complete that lab in the fall semester. <laughs> Excuse me for a minute. We need to
4: take an identification break. Hi, this is Ernest Kelly with the Faith Thomas Foundation. You're listening to the sale ninety-four point one FM, WGRN and WGRN.org dot org worldwide. Listen to us every Wednesday night at seven thirty PM.
1: Let me say this. <laughs> so for students that have chronic illness or um other disabilities, if they check with their universities or colleges, there's a a specific office that they can contact. And what happens on the professor end of it is that we get information on how to accommodate those students. So for listeners, check with your university and your college and find out where that office is so that your student can get the best accommodation in higher education while they're there.
0: Tracy, I'm going to start with you on this question. I know that we talked about, uh, well, you were sharing about how you you know, you don't want the kids to feel the anxiety or the pressure. I mean, have you had conversations or have any of the kids come to you and express fears regarding COVID?
2: I have not. I, and I have a very chill group this year. I have to say that they are <laughs> They're very calm little group of kindergartners. And whenever, you know, and, and I don't try to dwell on the issue of COVID, you know, with them and them being so young. Right. Because, but, you know, when I feel like they're getting too close to each other, there's this kind of getting too, you know, not following, you know, the safety protocols. I'll say, you know, the, you know, you guys, there's this thing called COVID out there. We have to, you know, this thing, we don't want we got to protect each other and they all just kind of look at me and they're like, yes, and then they, they'll comply, you know, but they, I've not had any child um, just come to me or seem like they're anxious or have a lot of anxiety in regards to COVID. So I think that's a good thing, and maybe it was because last year maybe some of them were in preschool, and then I, I'm not sure, maybe, and hopefully their parents, um, you know, maybe have spoken to them in the appropriate way that they can, you know, understand. We also have a wonderful counselor who comes every week and gives you know, lessons on, you know, self-esteem and caring, being a caring person and kindness and all these kinds of things. And I think that actually does help too, but that they know they're not alone. Like we are a community, we're a family, and we're here to support everyone. So I think that's important. Okay. 50.
1: 50 yeah. No, similar to what she said, <laughs> it's like the, the little ones, they do tend to get, well, actually everybody gets too close <laughs> didn't remind them to space out. Um, the little ones, they are huggers, so I'm not scared I hug them back because it's hard not to because you see their little faces and they, they need it, and so you you hug them, but nobody has expressed um,
0: concern about COVID. They're more concerned about when they actually have to do work work than they are about COVID. right. <laughs> Ernie, do you have another question for him before we get ready to uh, end the show? Yeah, I don't know really how to
4: formulate it as a question. I guess it's it's more a concern because I have grandkids that's in the school system down here in Columbus. And I know when I grew up, you know, the urban schools, I don't know, the urban schools throughout this country, they just seem to be like going away. You know, I, I think about, well, they're, they're, you know, like when I come down here, when I lived up in Accra, we had, you know, we had North, we had Central Harbor, we had Garfield, um, uh, South, East. East um those kind of schools and now you know those kind of you know they're now they're like combining them all into like one uh learning center and kind of thing where you know you can see it in the sport uh realm where you know now it used to be eight or nine uh urban schools in a in a league but now you know they're like maybe three or four, maybe. And even down here, where well, they've closed up Brookhaven and uh, uh, the other schools down here. And I just wonder how you guys, you know, what are your thoughts on the future of our urban urban schools going forward, especially now with, uh, you know, this, you know, one one minute, the virtual one minute during the school. Um, what, what do you think? Well, I'm
1: I was going to say, so Columbus is unique in and of itself. So we have a very transient population of, of parents. And so depending on when the rent is due or the end of their lease, they migrate out. Um, and quite uh-huh. honestly, last year, we lost a lot of kids that they were still trying to track
2: within the Columbus
1: school system. So it's, it's schools because they're of the way that they're funded, if a school doesn't have enough of a population, you're going to see that merge. Um, right now, I think Pickerington, Reynoldsburg, they're seeing an increase. A lot of parents are going out towards Grove City. So it, it, it's kind of hard to answer that question without looking at the, the the migration patterns of the parents and where they're moving to. And then we have the housing shortage. So they're there, there like a whole, like before COVID even enters into it, there are a whole host of issues that kind of Play into that at least here
2: in Columbus areas, yeah. I think in Akron, you know, because I, when you mentioned some of those schools that no longer exist, you know, I think it's just really a base, it comes down to a, a basic, um, people aren't having as many kids as they used to have, you know, when we were all younger and you'd have five kids in a family or six or seven. Yeah. And so there's a decline in the number of probably children that people, you know, families are having, but, but there are this, this situation with families moving and um, relocating, Um, One of the exciting things in Akron that each of our, like, middle school and high schools are having are uh, college and career uh, readiness programs that are designed not so much as uh, we, of course, we want to promote kids to go to college, but we're also bringing in, you know, culinary and all different kinds of things that used to be like in the trade schools, like the old, like I went to Central Howard, you know, and so they're, they're really, kids are getting really excited. And of course, before COVID hit, this was really, I mean, we've got to have a really, we're very fortunate to have a very large grant to provide, and even it as it's going to trickle down to the elementary school, some of that career and college readiness, but also bringing in some of those trade experiences, because everybody doesn't want to necessarily go to college. College, but um, a four-year program, I should say. And so that's kind of more of the trend to kind of get parents more excited. And I think as COVID, hopefully sooner or later, you know, it's going to kind of um, not be so prominent and, you know, parents and kids could get more excited about those kind of unique programs that are being put in place. Yeah, in the urban you know, it is,
4: and, and it is it's- yeah, you and like you were saying because when I went to Garfield, we had we had uh we had uh, automotive, we had drafting and also had cosmetology that you could learn. And now when I went to in school in Akron, Akron U wasn't really encouraging a lot of uh uh people of color to come to Akron U. Um so I ended up down here at Ohio State. You know, 'cause there was a guy that came over there to talk to us during the school year and he really was, you know, not real encouraging about going to going to college then. Now it, it really makes sense because a lot of these trade jobs are very high paying jobs now, you know. Uh, mechanics yeah. or or people that work at auto dealerships, uh, they're paid. They're getting paid something like eighty, ninety dollars an hour. If you ever check your uh, receipt, you'll see the labor is more. Than <laughs> right, before. right.
1: But that's why our kids are doing coding and design, it's to get them introduced to that early so that they can go into
3: these different fields. I did want to add to um, kind of what Ernie was talking about, Um, you know, like studies and numbers have shown that, you know, more and more kids are not going to college. Yeah. Like a large amount of students that still go to college, but a lot of students are choosing not to go to college or, you know, opt out of a four-year institution and take, you know, get their associate association instead um or to overall take online courses cuz that's just the way you know especially that 2020 class a freshman class kind of you know they're like the pioneers of online classes and so is you know every class of 2020 really so that, that's just like their norm now. They've been into college in, in an online format, and that's all they know. Uh, but our institution has a college um, credit plus program where our admissions recruiters go and encourage high school kids to um, get, not get involved, but sign up for these college credit courses where mm. it helps them bridge that gap between high school and college, and they can take some credits. Uh, college classes and give them credits while they're in high school. Um, And also we do have, well, in the summertime, we typically have a bridge program for those students that don't qualify for the state requirement testing, and most of the time it's minorities that don't.
1: Mm -hmm. So we
3: have a program called the Bridge program in the summertime where they pretty much go through um classes all day, but it's just really teaching them about life, about adjusting to college and, and just giving them that that breakboard to succeed in college essentially. So that's what we offer for our minority students, specifically our black students that, you know, we, we don't have that many of, and that's something the institution has now put in their strategic planning. That's one of their goals is to diversify the institution and recruit more minority students.
0: Um, Tish, when you go back to school and you uh, go back to Columbus State as a professor, mm-hmm. how do you feel that diversity stands with
1: Columbus State? So we actually have a high number of minority students, Students, our problem is more in the faculty representation versus in the student representation. As far as okay. academics, our kids are are they're not where they need to be when I get them. They're just not. And so I work really hard to get them up to speed. Um, we do have college, kind of like a bridge program like uh, Stephanie's talking about, but it depends on who's teaching it because it's not necessarily a bridge. It depends on how the professor treats it. Um, For some, it's like, where's Waldo? Go find a building. (laughs) For some, (laughs) I am dead serious because I asked them, I'm like, is this beneficial? And they're like, no. Some kids are like, well, yeah, we learn how to do different things and what our professors expect. And some of them, like, literally have them just find buildings across campus. So the the college is working on on strengthening (laughs) that that aspect of it. But similar, so Ohio has the college credit plus, and you can actually start that in middle school. Um, And usually the students are in advanced classes, and it's not the same as taking um, AP classes. So AP classes are not the same as the college credit plus, and sometimes parents and students get that confused, but they're two entirely different things. But. To Stephanie's point and Ernie's point, a lot of times our children are not geared for higher classes um, in middle school or in high school, so they don't get to take the college credit plus. And it's not encouraged for them to take it, um, even though it's available. Most of our, within the state of Ohio, your, your wealthier districts, they take advantage of the college credit plus, but initially that was meant to encourage minority children to have access, not the other way around.
2: Trace, is there anything that you would like to say to our listeners? Well, I think that we should celebrate uh, differences. And, and I know that you and I had a conversation about bullying, which is, you know, we have a zero tolerance for bullying in, our, in Akron Public Schools. And I'm sure all, of course, all states do. And I think it's important to bring in books for your children, um, literature. There's so many wonderful books, you know, children's books, Um, There's online books about sickle cell, about just all kinds of differences that children may have. And I think it's really important to share that with your children, with your families and let them know, let everyone know, you know, everyone's special, everyone's unique and, you know, everyone should be treated, of course, equally and with
0: love and understanding yes yeah. is there anything that you would like to say before we uh get ready to end um she actually covered a lot around the uh helping your
1: child and helping other students to understand uh the differences that students have so i will end with as much as you can help your child at home with their education do it. And call your principal, call your teacher, stay in contact with them to make sure that what your child is getting at home correlates with what they're getting at school. Um, And then some, because for our kids, we really need to be on top of their education more than what we actually are.
0: Steffi, what would you like to say to the listeners?
3: You know, I'll just piggyback off of what they said and also just add that, you know, don't be afraid to just reach out for help and um, to get resources. Institutions, you know, universities, schools, they have resources in place to help students, whether they are going through mental health issues, whether they're going through, um, like, children with disabilities. Like, they have, we have an office for, you know, students with um, our accessibility service office. So there's people in roles in place to help students succeed the best that they can, and if an institution or a school doesn't have that resource in place, then you know your request as a parent may very much start that, that that trigger for that institution or school to, hey, we need to put this in place. So I would just make sure you just if you need something for whatever need your your student may have, you know, don't be afraid to ask.
0: Okay, uh, Ernie, but I want you to spill some secrets about Michelle and Sheer. <laughs> no. no no
4: way I'm not telling nothing you're going to get in the field. nope <laughs> I she would have given you the
0: evil eye do you have anything that you would, do you have anything you would like to say to um you know, our guests here, our panel.
4: Yeah, I'd like to thank uh, with you guys your input. This is a a very important area, uh, especially for our kids and grandkids. And you know, I could talk, you know, question you guys on this for hours. I I do, I I really do have concerns about my my grandkids and their education and what their future education is gonna look like. And maybe we can have this discussion Uh, Again,
0: some other crimes. Okay. I want to thank all three of y'all for the wealth of information that you have provided our listeners. I've learned a lot today. Uh, You each were fantastic in your conversation, communication, and your knowledge. So I thank you each for coming on. And with that being said, this is Felice. Peace out. The Faith Thomas Foundation would like to thank you for listening to this cell. We broadcast on WGRN 94.1 FM every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. You can also stream us live on Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. on WGRN 94.1. For more information on the Faith Thomas Foundation, please visit our website, Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is FaithThomasFDN.